troubles and difficulty, but we're so grateful that he promises us that whenever they come, he'll be with us. He'll help us. He'll give us the strength that we need to be able to face them today. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just even more glad to be the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's read today from Isaiah 59, verse 15. Isaiah 59, 15. We're going to break just a little bit today from the direction that I've been going for a while. Um, Early yesterday morning, the Lord started dealing with me about this, and uh, we'd like to look at it today. Isaiah 59, 15. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness It sustained him, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, Recompense to his enemies, to the islands will he repay recompense. This is what we want to look at today. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Let's read this verse 19 again. Now, prophetically, notice the direction that that Isaiah is speaking about. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. But at the time, of course, that Isaiah is on the earth, they're not even sure where the west is. West of them would not be Los Angeles. It would not even be the United States. They didn't even know there was a United States. They didn't know that the gospel would come and cross the water three times. They did not know geographically that there was another continent called America. But God knew it. So instead of calling the name, God just had him to call The west, so the gospel then would come from the east and head west. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. How many can say amen to that? How many would like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord? Please pray for 
Sherry and Kristen Wiggins, both sick with COVID and desire our prayers today. All right, let's just take this before the Lord now, if you will. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful today that we could be granted this opportunity, Lord Jesus, to be gathered here in this place with your children, but more important than that, in your presence. Knowing, Father, that we at one time would not even be allowed to come in to the great place where the Shekinah glory of God was. We were not even be allowed, dear God, to ever see the great things that you've done for the people of Israel. But now you have made a way for us on the western side of the earth that we would not only be allowed to be in, we would not be treated as second-class citizens, but as the children and people of God. We who were not a people are now the people of the Most High. And we're so grateful today. Father, all these hands that were uplifted, we're asking that you'd be merciful to their needs. Dear God, these requests, Father, for COVID, Lord, there's so many affected about it around the world, but we're believing you, dear God, that you're going to bring a deliverance to your people from this, Father God. As we assemble here today and we bring our needs, and, but we not just come of what we can get, but we want to give. And we know, Father, we're not just talking about giving an offering, money, or something like that. We want to give ourselves to you today. We want to give our love, our adoration, our praise. We want to give you everything that we are. And we ask that you would help us today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, help me to get out of the way now, Father, I pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. How many knows the enemy can certainly come in like a flood? You know, a flood can come from a great rapid deluge of rain. California, starting this morning, started experiencing this type of flood. It's going to be really bad for a lot of them because it's hitting the burned areas of California that this year has had more acreage torched than any time in history. So by doing that, it burns all the foliage off the trees, kills all the underbrush, and for much of this part of California, a lot of sand, a lot of rocks. So they're warning the people to get out before the flood comes because the water will come in such a torrent three to five inches of water. And of course, they need the water, but they don't need it quite this fast. So the water will come down and it will wash down through the ravines and it will begin to cause landslides. People's houses will slide off the mountains and so on. And we know that God takes natural symbols like this And he also conveys to us a spiritual story. So here the prophet Isaiah is saying that whenever the enemy will come in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. 
And most of us, I'm sure, have seen flood times. We've seen it here, even in our areas where we are. We're not uh, so subject to many floods as other parts of the world are. But yet, we've seen it in our area where they will give to us a flash flood. Now, unlike the state of California today, which is going to experience this great river, it's a very odd weather situation that they're going to experience today because it's a great trough of this pressure that's going to come through. And it's a river of moisture that will come through the air and it will just cause all types of problems for them. And sometimes life comes that way. The battles of life. It's like a deluge that one thing after another, after another, after another hits us. And it just seems like that we have no breather, no break from one thing to another to another. And we just get overwhelmed by the flood. How many has ever been there? And in your life, in your walk with God, whether it's on your job or your family or your church life or whatever it is, a flood can come in such a mighty way. And our minds, of course, go back to the book of Genesis when this word was first used. And it was when God told Noah that he was going to send this deluge or this flood upon the earth. And we know that this was an unusual flood in that it was not just from the sky, but it was from the great fountains of the deep which broke up from the earth. And we know this came about when God decided to use the earth and he gathered the waters together into one place and then he gathered the dry land and he caused the dry land to appear. So there were great aquifers, as they call it to this day, and they are gathered actually under the earth. It's the great pools of water by which we're able to tap down and get the wells and so on from. And yet God had gathered them together. He had to put someplace so that all this water could go somewhere. So God caused part of it to go down into the earth. Part of it God lifted by the creation of an atmosphere. And we know that when we see the earth in the book of Genesis here, that there was no atmosphere, actually hydrogen, oxygen, all these things so the Spirit of God calls it to lift off off the earth in the form of atmosphere. Some of it goes down into the earth in the form of aquifers and God kept it there in store for a purpose. Then when God speaks to Noah and he says there will come a great flood and the Bible then whenever it begins to happen, the Bible tells us how this came about. And the great fountains of the deep broke or give way. But there was also great rain clouds that came from what? The store of the ocean, if you wish to call it that, which would be the aquifers of the sky. So through the humidity and the moisture and the atmosphere, the condensation of the clouds, it was coming from the heavens. It was also breaking up from the heart of the earth and the water was coming to meet where? On the earth itself. Sometimes that's the way our life can seem. 
There can be rain clouds all around us. There can be storms of life. And we deal with this and that and the other. And it's as if though that is not enough, then we will have the breaking force from the earth itself. That's unusual because we know in the book of Revelation that the woman that John saw, which gave birth to the man-child, whenever the man-child was delivered of the woman, and then the dragon lets forth a great flood from his mouth. So out of the mouth of the dragon comes forth a flood, and the flood was sent to attack the woman. And then the Bible says that the earth actually opened up its mouth to swallow the flood. So here now, in this instance, the earth is actually used to be able to swallow up the waters, which was a symbol, of course, of people, and able to swallow down this flood waters. So the earth was used as the aquifers were held in the days of Noah. The earth was an instrument that opened up and yielded to the destruction and bring forth the flood. In this instance, in the book of Revelation, it was also used as a way to be able to sustain the flood. Now we know, of course, that our earth is our bodies. Our bodies can be used many times as the outlets by which Satan will bring about more floods and cause more battles for us as individuals. But if we can bring our bodies subject to the word, then our bodies, our earth, can also be the means by which we train them to the word and they become subject to the word and can actually be a help to us as we're going through the floods of life. But yet there's other times that floods do not come because of a great deluge. And it's raining, you know, eight inches of water as it did, uh, what was it, two and a half months ago, something like that, down in Dixon, Tennessee, and that part of Tennessee from there on west, heading toward Memphis from Dixon County and on around. And there was this great deluge of water that just hovered over these little cities there. And it came down through this part of town and washed away the buildings and automobiles and people died and it was just uh, what they call a hundred year flood. Something that was absolutely catastrophic. And it came in just a little while and dropped a matter of inches and just a matter of hours. And life can be that way. But yet other times life is not that way at all. But floods can also come whenever it's a, a good, steady, moderate rain, we would call it, that comes on Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It's not a great deluge now, but it seems to be a very moderate rain. But what happens is the earth becomes so soaked and saturated with the moisture and then there's no place for it to run off. And then what happens then? The water begins to rise and rise and rise. And it begins to what? Produce a flood. But it's different from the deluge type of flood. If you look at yourself, you will see that's the way many times our life is. That there will be a great deluge of things that will come our way. Comes all of a sudden. Comes without warning. It comes and we don't even expect that it's going to be there. And then there's other 
other times that it will come one day after another, after another. And you think, Lord, please help me. Oh God, I don't know if I can take it another day. What is it? Oh, it's moderate rain. It's not really a deluge. It's not really that bad in one day. But the problem of it is, it is one day added into another day. Added into another day. Added into another day. This is what Daniel prophesied that Satan will try to do in the last days, that he will try to wear out the saints. And many times he does not have to have a deluge from the sky or a great catastrophic event in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. And all of us have had catastrophic events, of course. But much <coughs> of the things that we go through, it is the accumulation of one day plus another day plus another day. And our minds, our thoughts, our everything about us becomes so drenched in the daily activities and the worries of life. Anybody gonna preach to me this morning? And we just become so overwhelmed that we don't know what to do. But yet, the Bible, let's keep this before us now. We must paint the negative side in order to bring the positive side to wipe out the negative side. So the Bible tells us though when the enemy does come in like a flood that the spirit of the Lord will lift up or raise up a standard against him. You know, sometimes Satan will bring a flood of error. And every move of God, of course, has had to deal with this flood. And it's the same type and the symbolism that sometimes it can be a deluge of error that Satan will use. And other times it will be just a little bit of accumulation of one after another after another. And people become so weary with just dealing with this false prophet and this false prophet and this liar and this man and error. And they just get overwhelmed. They don't even realize, Brother John, that within themselves they haven't got over the last false prophet till another one raises up. And then they go to dealing with that and all this trauma and all this that they dealt with comes back to haunt them more. So you see Satan studies the simplicity of the gospel that God has revealed down through the ages and he wants to compound that gospel or complex that gospel to where that people saying, oh my, you know, you've just got to walk around in the seventh heaven somewhere to be an everyday child of God. Let me tell you something, friend. God does not drive his people nuts. God does not drive you out of your mind to make you serve him. He wants to get you out of the way so you can serve him with all of your heart. But these floods and these deluges that come our way, they are not from God. And of course, God knows that they're going to come. But keep in mind, the storms and the difficulties of life are not God created. They are God permitted, but not God created. And if Satan can twist that in your mind, he will make you think the Lord does not love you or the Lord has something against you. No, and let me stand here today and tell you that is a lie. He wants to turn men away from the pure, undefiled religion, as James called it. 
And yet sometimes Satan will move in another way and it will be a flood of persecution. Now we've all had this of course as children of God and you know sometimes how it will be that it will accumulate and it's one after another after another and then sometimes it will come in a deluge. We certainly have experienced a deluge here in our church from time to time that it would be a persecution that we never thought that we'd ever deal with. And yet there's those times that it comes as a great downpour and you become so overwhelmed you don't know what to do. And then there's other times that it will be just the daily walk of life. This one says this and this one says that and this one says something else. But yet the flood will produce the exact same results no matter whether five inches come in five hours or five days. A flood destroys beautiful things. A flood takes away property. A flood annihilates memories. Now, I never have been flooded out myself as far as in a home, but I've lived in different parts of the country. Used to live years ago down in West Virginia, right close to the Kentucky side where the Tug River was and Mate One and all down in there. Those of you that are familiar with that, and it's, oh, it's awful for flooding. And I've been in different parts of the states where I've seen great floods. And you know yourself that it can be such a destructive thing when a flood comes in. And floods always leave behind such tumult. And they leave behind such devastation. And they destroy beautiful homes. They destroy beautiful property, beautiful families. It can take away possessions and pictures and memoirs of things that you have that you can never replace. Oh, I hope somebody's sharing me today. And yet a flood of Satan can do the same thing to us as the children of God if we're not careful. But remember, the world and our, our state itself and America may not be able to control the floods because the truth of it is, man has actually made the flooding worse in the last several decades. Man has put dams, man has done this and that and the other, and he's actually trying to control nature and he'll never do it. Is that right? And then man trying to make the floodplains, and when he does, he changes the natural course of the river, and the rivers itself will make those natural courses, and they change in time. And man puts them in there to try to control them, and then he makes it worse and worse and worse. But I want to tell you here today, the Lord Jesus has a control floodplain. He has a way by which he's able to help us in the time of our flood. Now, it does not mean that the Lord will never let floods come our way. They will come our way, but we have a standard. Oh my, you know, God knows exactly what it takes to mold and make each one of us. You know, there's another avenue that Satan likes to move in and flood the church and the individuals, and that is to try to corrupt the worship of the saints of God to the Lord Jesus. Now, if he cannot make us to where we are cold and indifferent, then he'll try to push us over to the other side and make us all fanatical, and some folks are so scared to death of wild fire, they don't want no fire at all. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have a little bit of wildfire than no fire. I don't know if you've ever tried to build a fire on top of ashes and burning embers that at one time burned, and now they're laying there in their charcoal. It looks like to me that's what some of the folks around the message are becoming. They're becoming a bag of charcoal. And they sit in the house of God. They never say amen. They never praise the Lord. They never worship God. And if you do that in church, I can't imagine how you do at home. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me today. So what does he want to do? He wants to be able to take and merge worship. Now look for him, we realize we're living in an age when Satan is trying to pervert worship because the Laodicean thing is that people just get together and they worship and they worship and they sing and they stand there with the bob hair and the britches on and you know all that stuff and they're just worship, 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 worship. That does not take away from the genuine worship that God wants and expects from his children. And remember, you're not here to worship God to please me. You're not here to worship God to suit Brother Louie. But what you want to find, God help me to be able to find that place that I can please you. And if you're not careful, Satan will get you in a form one way or the other. And people think that only standing still and never raising your hands, that's a form. That's not the only form there is. Some folks get into a form that if they don't dance every service, they ain't worship God. You're just as much a form as those who never even move an eyelid. They just sit right there and they're as dead as a stick. But what we need to do is find the balance between public worship and private worship. Now you remember the prophet talking about when he was out hunting and he saw, you know, the great eagle there and he had his gun and boy set his gun down against the tree and he took off running round and around and around that tree. Maybe I'm talking about it. That little old chipmunk was a barking at him and, you know, chatter, chatter this and chatter, chatter that. And yet Brother Bram said if people would have saw him, they would have thought he was crazy. Now, notice the difference now. But you never find Brother Branham ever doing that in church. Are you saying, isn't that unusual? No, not when you understand worship. This is why sometimes you hear me say, I wish I was out by myself. You know why I'm saying that? Because I found out years ago, my public worship and my private worship is not exactly the same thing. But some folks never get through that in their mind. That when we come to the house of God, we are here to worship together. If I'm the only one here, I can scream and holler and oh my shout and run from the front to the back. It ain't gonna interrupt anybody. But if we're here having church and I do that, what are y'all gonna do? You're gonna sit there and look at me and say, what in the world's happened to him? He's lost his mind. Now notice, whenever we look at what Satan wants to do, he wants to damper or fool with your worship. And he will send a flood. It'll be day by day by day. You better not worship God. You better not praise God. You better not praise your hand. And if you listen to that lying devil, when you come to the house of God, you're scared to death to hardly even breathes, much less worship the Lord. So you sit there and look around at everybody else and you blame everybody else. Look, there's only one person that's stopping you from worshiping God today and that's yourself. You ain't got nobody to blame. If you don't worship God, Brother West, don't blame Sister Lisa. Don't blame me. It's Brother West. If I don't worship God, I can say, well, Carol was sitting there looking at me. She does all the time, but I'm still going to worship God because I'm ordained to praise him. And I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to worship him. I'm going to worship him on my way up. 
Anybody gonna worship him with me? Now you see, Satan, he will try so many different things to flood our life. He will flood us with sickness. He will flood us. We know, we will, God have mercy on us that we've been through this flood of the COVID. My, my, for the last, how many ever months that it's been. And it's affected us around the world. This is not just something in Tennessee. This is not something just in the States, but it's something globally around the world that the people of God, and not only the people of God, but just everybody else out here has been affected by it. And Satan wants to be able to flood us to do what? To be able to overwhelm, to come on our property. What was floods do? Flood comes on your property, trying to take your home, trying to take your joy. Well, I wish somebody would say amen. I'll tell you one thing, friend, y'all, you gotta do is look around and realize that the flood has done a pretty good job on a lot of folks. Because their face is about that long, they ain't hardly got enough joy to even clap their hands no more. The flood has devastated their praise. The flood has devastated their hope. The flood has devastated their faith. But I'm here to tell you today, the Lord God has a standard. Now, are we going to stop the flood from coming? No, nope. but I'm here to tell you when the flood comes and the flood goes, I am a survivor of Satan's flood. And you can be a survivor of Satan's flood. Has it affected my joy? Yep, but it ain't going to get it. Has it affected my peace? Yep, but it ain't going to take it from me because it belongs to me. But I have found a standard. You see, sometimes it comes in the form of a flood of neutrality and indifference. That people just become indifferent and they just fulfill their duty to come to church. Boy, it was warm in there today. Boy, it was awful cold. Why in the world did they sing that one song in D? Don't they know I can't sing in D? Don't they know I hate the key of E? Oh, did you notice Brother Donnie's tie was crooked? Well, that's pretty much a given with every service. Did you notice this? You're not a worshiper. You're not coming to say my tie's crooked. If I've got not a bow tie, a straight tie, or no tie, you've come to worship God. And what will Satan do? He'll try to flood us with the neutral type of position. You know, we're living in such a political turmoil that you're afraid to say anything to people anymore because they'll bite your head off. You're afraid to go around somebody even driving. We've got so many, so many maniacs that's out on the road. My goodness, you get run over if you don't run 70 miles an hour on some of these four-lane highways. I come down the road the other day on Powder Branch and got off on Max Jet Road, little bitty old narrow winding road. I was nearly run off the road by a girl texting on her phone. You say, what is it? People's out of their minds. And we say, well, we can't say nothing. We don't want to make nobody mad. No, we've got to declare there is a standard in the land. That's right, and it makes us indifferent, and then we just kind of compromise a little bit. Then we, you, know, you don't realize it. You say, well, I'm just doing that on politics. If you're not careful, you'll do it on everything in your life. And then when you come to church, you're still in that mode of neutrality. That's why you don't say anything. So a preacher gets up and preaches the truth, and you didn't switch off your neutral mode. 
So you just sit there and look at me the whole service. You don't say, man. You don't say, seek him, buddy. Get him, boy. Go. I'm with you. You just sit there in neutral. Oh, my. But you see, sometimes the flood will come in the form of sorrow. And it can flood a human's heart, their spirit, their soul, so deep, it seems like there's no way out. I've never been in raging waters to where I was going under and had to be rescued by a helicopter or EMS people. I've never been going down for the last time in a flood. But I cannot imagine the feeling, the fear, the trauma, the anxiety that someone is dealing and they're fighting for their life and they're trying to breathe and they're reaching for anything and everything. Oh my, but I have been there spiritually. Anybody else been there with me? I have been there spiritually. The world you're reaching, Brother Dow. You're trying to find a branch, a rock, anything. Why? Because this flood came on your ground. You see, it's one thing when we go out on the world's ground and we go to getting into places that we should not get there and we get overwhelmed because we're out of our spot. But remember, when you are on your property and the flood waters come, you have got a standard. Why? You're in the line of duty. Oh, how sorrow can be able to bring a person and, you know, a death can follow or losing your money or a bad investment of some sort and it's one great big fast deluge of something that hits you. You lose your job or you lose a big client or whatever it is and all of a sudden this makes such a dent in your life and you're thinking, oh God, what am I going to do? How am I going to be able to get out of this? situation and what is it for it's to destroy you it is to bring the flood waters and make them go higher and higher or it just starts out it's on the bottom of your feet and then the next thing you look up and it's halfway up on your calf and then it's to your knees and then it's getting deeper and deeper and there you are you think oh God what am I going to do there's a standard oh my And floods aren't pretty. They aren't beautiful. Floodwaters do not come in beautiful blue-green or aqua rippling waters, and they're so smooth. For those of you that have been out west, you know that you'll see signs in those low places in a wash, they call them. Dead Man Wash is one of my unique ones. I like it out there in Arizona. It's a neat place. I've hunted there and been there uh, several different times. Dead Man's Wash. But there's many of them. And you look at it and you say, that's a river? Well, that, it's nothing but sand. It's nothing but rocks. But you're not there at the right time. You see, what happens is, again, with not a great deal of foliage the way we have back east, then the water will run off and they will warn people when they come, do not pull in here 
Why? Because you get in that low place and the water will come going down the ravine and many, many people have been washed away. Their vehicles have wound up somewhere else and them dead. That's exactly what a flood from Satan does. He wants to get us to where that we're afraid and we pull into this spot and we feel uncomfortable. The next thing we know, the water begins to rise and then we're totally overwhelmed. Oh friend, God, God does not promise that the children of God will be free from hurt that will not be free from anxiety and even great sorrow. God may take a loved one out of our life and it may seem that it's overwhelming us, but remember in your sorrow, there is a standard. Oh my, floods always take away from that which is so beautiful. Years and years ago, down in Pineville, Kentucky, and I used to go through that way whenever I traveled preaching and still go that way on occasion. Uh, but whenever the floods came down through there and it devastated Pineville many, many years ago, so they decided to put up what they call floodgates and then build up beside the river because it's a river that just winds right down through there and they can't get rid of it. And you imagine people's lives have been totally destroyed by what? One flood. People can become so anxious, so worried, so nervous, and Satan will send a deluge or the daily moderate rains. Daily moderate rains. And you go out without an umbrella. And you go out without any flood insurance. Brother Donnie, you selling flood insurance? Well, I'm actually not selling it, but I'm telling you, you better get it. I'll tell you what the flood insurance is for this day, the token. You're not gonna be able to withstand the flood with just an intellectual conception of God sent a prophet. You're gonna have to have some flood insurance in the soul. That when the flood comes, and it will come, whether it comes by the deluge or the moderate daily rainfall, it will come. But the inevitable is this, I have flood insurance. And what is the flood? Oh, we don't even think about flood insurance here. Most of us don't. You imagine going down to your local agent and say, I want flood insurance. And you live up on a mountain, he'll look at you like you're a nut. You're talking about flood insurance? But if you live where you're prone to floods, let me tell you something, friend, the bride lives in the spot of humanity that is the most prone to these diabolical floods of any other people on the face of the earth. When you identify yourself as a message believer, as the bride of Christ, you are opening yourself up to daily rain, to weekly deluge, to monthly deluge, but you have got flood insurance inside of your soul and whenever the water's getting higher and higher and you say, Lord God, I don't know what I can do. All you gotta do is remind your broker, I have got flood insurance, sir. You said you'd never leave me. You said you'd never forsake me. Hallelujah. Oh, what a flood of anxiety can do to a heart. I've seen many Christians through the years in my tenure as a pastor of Happy Valley, that they get buffeted over and over again and you watch them. You can tell that they're not dealing with it well. 
You just watch them in church and you can see by the response to the word and then the pull that they used to have on the gift and on the word. It's no longer like it was and they've entered into this flood of this, you know, complacency. And you watch, what is it, what's happening? It's overcoming that beautiful walk they had with God. That beautiful, intimate place. And you say, my, how could Adam ever do what he did in the Garden of Eden? I ask you the same thing. How would you give away your walk with God because of the things around you in life? And we are so busy. Come on, let's, let's go ahead and preach today. Every one of us, I probably could say most every one of us sitting here today, our great shortage is not flour. It is not sugar. It ain't coal. It ain't copper. It ain't, what is it? A shortage of time. Time. Every way we look. Time, 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 time. Everything demands time. And what do most of us do? We give all of our God time to time time and we give it to the devil and we give it to going here and going there oh my and what is it it's nothing but a flood it's a flood to try to get you in a deluge to where you wind up looking around oh God where am I where am I and then God feels a million miles away because you haven't talked to him in a while you haven't read your bible in a while you haven't listened to tapes in a while and you find yourself going down and you're going down and you're going down and say, what happened to me? Did this happen overnight? No, it didn't happen overnight. You missed the prayer meeting. You missed Wednesday night. You didn't read your Bible. Oh, come on, happy valley. Oh, we need to build up a floodplain on the inside of our souls. It's amazing what a flood can do to a beautiful pastor. Back several months ago when we had one coming down through the river there, nearby our new property, and it came down by the little barbecue place, most of you know what I'm talking about there on the Milligan Highway, and it came over into the beautiful green field of the grass. What did it leave behind? Sticks, mud, branches, and it just builds up. And it leaves this and it mars the beauty that was there, the, the uniqueness there. Look, friend, don't worry about trying to be like this man or that woman. Be what God has made you. Every one of you are unique. Every one of you are special in the presence of God. And listen, there's no special, more special ones here today than the rest of you. Those who get that in their mind are anointed of the devil. Well, I'm more special than the special. No, you're not. We're all children of God. We're all bride of Jesus Christ. Well, come on, somebody. And he loves us all the same. We stand before the cross on the same plane. But what happens? People get under this deluge or this flood begins to mar their sinking and it leaves debris and dirt and mud and some places, places are never recovered because the flood water is devastated. Notice this. Let me read this again, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, I want you to notice what's lifting the standard. The spirit 
of the Lord. Wow. Well, what about the word? Well, of course, God moves to the realm of his word. But notice what's lifting it. Ruach. Look at this word, spirit. The Hebrew word, ruach. Spirit, as that which breathes quickly in animation. Now, this is what moved upon the face of the earth in the beginning. And the Lord God did such and so. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. This is the first time the compound name of God was revealed. It was Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. Notice the word here, animation. Now, this is where, of course, that cartoonist found out that they could take drawings of cartoon figures and stills and change from one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other, and start like this, then move the hand on the next one, move the arm on the next one, move the finger on the next one, and then put them together in the form of speed, and it would turn it into a movie. That's the way cartoons started out, was by animation. So it takes something that is dead and makes it appear to be alive. Well then, with cartoons anyway. But with us, it doesn't just make us appear to be alive, we are alive. Notice what comes in the time of the flood, the breath of God. As that which breathes quickly in animation, vigor, courage, an inspiring, ecstatic state of prophecy. An inspiring, ecstatic. Well, praise the Lord. You know how it is. You go to the mailbox and you get a $10,000 check in the mail and you're just ecstatic. Wow. Wow. I didn't know my uncle was going to leave me this and he kicked the bucket. Bless his whole heart. I'm so happy. Wow. I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. No, that's what some of y'all do when you come to church. My heavenly Father gave me eternal life. Amen. You're lost going to hell. Amen. Now you're going to heaven. Oh, glory to God, brother. I be careful. I'm getting wild here. I'm raising my hands. I'm plumb beside myself. <laughs> glory. An inspiring, ecstatic state of prophecy. Wow. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, Ruach will breathe on a static state of prophecy for you to be able to move into. Amen. Praise be to God. So the spirit of, notice this next one now, Jehovah. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah, remember, no consonants in the word there because the prophet said they could never really figure out what the name was. But Ruach of Jehovah shall lift up a standard against him. Now, the standard bearer then is not just us. It's not just preachers. It's not just you mothers and fathers. But the standard bearer is the Spirit of God. You see, Christ is the standard himself. How many knows what a standard was in the Old Testament? Some of you? Most of you not. Okay. All right, so a standard was an ensign, or it was a tribal 
identification. Now the tribes of Israel being 12 tribes, each one of them had an ensign. And they would have a certain animal on that inside. Rome used standards. Greeks used standards. Mesopotamians used standards. So you knew exactly where your side was at when you looked and saw your standard or your inside. Now, whenever the north was going against the south, what did they do? They had one ensign on one side, one on the other. Then if you got lost in the battle and you didn't know where or what was going on, you got lost, what did you look for? You didn't look for your certain buddy. He may be laying over dead. But what you looked for was your ensign. You looked for, oh, glory to God, you looked for your flag and that identified you. Both of you remember the very famous picture, don't you, on Iwo Jima, that whenever the island was taken there and the American soldiers are holding that, hoisting that up, what is it? It's an, an ensign, an identification or a standard. It is a standard. So the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard when the enemy allows this flood to come out of his mouth. So God ordained now that Christ, this is a messianic prophecy, one of those of, of Isaiah, that God would send forth a standard that even Moses himself could not be. Jeremiah could not be. You notice the scripture that we read before that God said there was no one to help. There was no salvation but my own right arm, my right hand. Who was it? Christ himself in the form of a human being. Now, this everlasting gospel that is going to be published to the nations, and it will come against the flood of Satan's immorality, against Satan's unbelief, against Satan's infidels, against all that Satan has done, that God would send forth a standard. Watch this in Isaiah 11.10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign. Again, the same word. Ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles, oh children, think of it. You sitting here today are fulfilling once again the prophecy of Isaiah. The Gentiles would seek. You understand what it was? When the ensign was raised up, it caused people to come to the ensign. You was lost. You didn't know where to go. Where's our side? I don't know whose side I'm on. Am I a devil? Am I elect? Am I a bride? Am I a foolish virgin? Don't you understand what the message of the hour is? When the message of the hour was raised in the land, that's why oh, we, we left everything that was dear to us. We left churches. We left family. We left friends. It caused us to rally around the inside. Then we found out this is what I've been looking for my entire life. Other people will say, oh, that man was a false prophet. I'll tell you one thing, this, that, the other, but not us. It was our standard. Praise God, praise God. Notice the ensign of the people, tell it to the Gentiles shall seek and his rest shall be glorious. Verse 12, and he shall set up for an ensign for the nations and shall assemble assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. What to? The standard. Once the standard is set, then you know where to go if you know what standard you're looking for. 
Now, if you want to read this, of course, you can, I'll give you a couple of scriptures here, but you can read it more in depth if you read the book of Numbers and you read how that God set them there. So they are to be assembled together under a certain standard. Don't you see why that men and people that want to make something out of themselves, can't you see why they want to do it? They want the people to gather to them. One sign of a false prophet one true sign that never fails is he always points the people to himself and not to Jesus Christ. That's why kingdom builders flourish in every move. Why? They point the people to themselves and it's amazing how many people will rally around them. It's a shame, really. People ought to be more instructed in the word of life. Now you see, the, the standard is a symbol of warfare. A standard is a symbol of warfare. So when the Lord Jesus came to the earth and took on humanity, that was a great bearing of the standard. But I'll tell you when the standard really stirred up hell, whenever he left out of his body hanging on the cross, and in the form of theophany, he went down into hell and set down the standard. (laughs) Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Then my brother, sister, the war really started. The Lord Jesus never allowed the devil to go up there in heaven and set down his standard that day on Calvary, but instead he went right down into the regions of the lost and set down the standard, which was what? Himself himself and what did it do it caused Abraham Isaac Jacob Joseph Ezekiel the elect of God right over there in that next dimension it calls them together so it goes over on paradise door and knocks on paradise and when they open the door there stands the standard hallelujah and Abraham said Sarah come and look it's him that we fed calf to that day it's him that we gave that glass of milk to that day it caused the elect of God to rally to the standard. Oh, thank you, Lord. He declared war on hell. I'll tell you one thing, when you become a child of God, you're in for it. I wouldn't want to be the type of Christian that God had to baby me, would you? And put you in a little glass and a little, you know, just pad you around with little soft cushions and foam rubber and styrofoam and, and just breathe in holy air from holy divine air compressor and put you in this bubble and never let you even get, you know, even kind of shook around a little bit. I want to be the kind of Christian that God can allow whatever a portion of hell that he wants to come my way, Brother Gray, and I can stand right there and boy, it may hit me sometime and the waters are rising. They're coming up higher and higher, but I fall back on my foot insurance and I grab my policy my token out of there and say Satan you can't take me till God's done I'm going to keep putting more on you I'm going to put more on you oh yeah that's what he told me this week I'm going to keep putting more on you I'm going to wear you out I'm going to drive you out of your mind I said no you're not no you're not you are a liar you're not going to drive me out of my mind you're not going to drive me down I'm going to keep on I'm going to drive you down I said no you're not you're not going to drive me down my king is going to take me up after a while. Amen. I've got flood insurance. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 
But not only is a standard a symbol of war, but a standard can be a symbol of peace. So you set it down, and it's a symbol of peace. Praise God. You imagine those soldiers on Iwo Jima down through time. How many have given their life? You understand what they give it for? They give their life. How many men rallied around the standards down through time? They have found huddles of men and piles. Huddles of bodies and piles covering one thing. The standard. Because it was one of the worst of disgraces to lose your standard. So the enemy was out to get your standard. And he would do everything. And people would give their lives to protect the standard bearer. Not to blow up a city. Not to do this and that. But to protect that one man holding that standard. Are we willing today to give our lives for Jesus Christ? Our standard, our standard bearer. I don't know about you, friend. I will not give my life for no ordinary man. To follow some false prophet, forget it. To follow some false doctrine, forget it. I'm willing today to give everything I am to Jesus Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. God in the nature of a man was a signal of war against hell. (laughs) Not God in the nature of an angel, but God in the nature of a man. (sighs) Set down the standard. All right, Satan, this is the new standard. In the Old Testament, it was people that could not live right. It was people that I gave them the law, but they had no quickening inside of them. But I am Ruach Elohim. And I am setting down the standard that I'm not giving them a new law. I'm not giving them 10 more commandments, but I'm gonna breathe my own life inside of them. And when the flood comes from the ankles and it rises up to the knees and it keeps on coming, they will find they have a power that is greater than them because it will be me inside of them. Praise God. A standard was also an ensign of victories. For those of you that have studied some on the Rome and the way that they would do it, you've seen, maybe not physically, but seen the pictures of the Arch of Titus, which was built uh, over 1,500 years ago. And it shows the Romans carrying the menorah. It shows them carrying various things from Jerusalem. And there is the record in stone that they burn it to the ground. So the standard, glory to God, the standard would have many symbols on the standard of great victories. So when you stood there with that standard, there would be one victory and another and another. You imagine our Lord Jesus standing there with that standard when he saw John on the Isle of Patmos. And he said, I am he that was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. (laughs) Glory be to God. 
There was a tomb there. And there was an open tomb on the other side. What was it? A symbol of his victories. I hope you can bring it on down past Calvary, past the tomb. Oh, glory to God. If you could understand in that symbol of that standard was you. It was you and your old life and you and your new life. It was what the world was, hallelujah, before he came and what the world will be once he brings it back to the act of redemption all written on the standard. This is why he said, it is written of me, lo, I come in the volume of the book. Praise God. It may not look like a symbol of victory to you, But I see on that standard today a man standing at a whipping post. A cat of nine tails. The Roman soldier pulling it back and hitting him and ripping strips of meat from his back. Till Isaiah saw him by vision and said his vision was marred more than any other man. Didn't even look like a human, looked like a pile of meat. But I look on the other side of those stripes And I see people who've been healed. Praise be to God. Don't look at your symptoms. Don't look at how bad this or that or the other is. On your standard is divine healing. On your standard is miracles. On your standard is a life-changing power. Is the flood coming in? Yes, but I'm here to raise afresh before you today our standard, the mighty conqueror. I'm not here to tell you about me. I'm not here to tell you about some other person. I'm here to tell you about our mighty conqueror who defeated death, hell, the grave, sugar, diabetes, cancer, blindness, darkness. I'm talking about our standard, the Lord Jesus. You see, when the standard is set up, the army was together. Look at Numbers 1, 52, and the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard through their hosts. Numbers 2, 2, every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle. So you got three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here. And they're sitting around the presence of God, guardians of the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. And they're all sitting there under a tribal standard. There's Judah, Naphtali, Oh, glory to God. There's Manasseh. There's Ephraim. Well, what if they got tired of being in Ephraim? God said, you stay where you were born. You were placed under that tribal standard. You stay right there. Oh, but Manasseh's not near as big as Judah. I'm going to go to the bigger one. No, you stay where I put you. And when they saw that standard, when the God told them to go out by numbers, and God gave him, he said, let the standard of Judah lead. And when the standard of Judah went out, there was every man that flew, oh hallelujah, got right in line. You imagine them there, praise God. They got right behind that standard. Levi didn't jump in there. Oh no, Naphtali didn't jump in there. But they waited their turn. 
Here come Judah. Here come Levi. Here come Issachar. Here come Benjamin. Here come Ephraim. Each one of them under their banner, under their standard. Glory to God. I hope you understand. In the resurrection, God will call forth Luther and they'll come under their tribal banner. Glory to God. In the resurrection, there will come Wesley. There will come Pentecost. And there will come Elijah. There will come Elijah. And this Laodicean age. And the banner will come forth. And the dead and Christ shall rise first. And we will be joined with our loved ones under what banner? The banner of Malachi 4. Hallelujah. The banner of Malachi 4. Isaiah 49, 22, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people. No, friend, this is why I am not interested in following some magical man that thinks he has all the answers in the message. I'm not interested in looking to the West Indies. I'm not interested in looking to Arizona. I'm not looking, interested in looking to Jeffersonville or looking to Louisiana. I'm interested in looking to Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God said, I will set up my standard to the people and they shall bring thy sons in their arms. And thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. You think the Lord Jesus didn't know who he was? St. John 12, 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. You see, the manifestation of Christ in flesh and the revelation of him in the gospel, every time he's preached from a sincere heart, Anointed by Ruach, it helps stir the courage of the army. This is why we need preachers today. This is why we need God call men so they can find the mind of God and they get up and they preach by what, Brother West? The Spirit of God. Not just their intellect. Well, I think I need to preach this today. No, if you only understand it. Again, right here in this service, the Lord God is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that he would raise up a standard when the enemy comes in like a flood and who's doing it? The Spirit of God. Not Donnie Reagan, not Tim Pruitt, not some other preacher, the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Notice this in the Cedar description. Now, Jesus said, just before the great discrepancy is gathered and burned, the Son of Man will reveal himself in the same manner as he did then. What is it? It's a lifting up afresh before you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever Brother Ram didn't come to bring us a new Jesus he didn't come to bring us a new Bible and throw the Bible away and just get away with the Bible it was just a new uplifting of the same Lord Jesus that the apostles had our faith is restored back not to something new 
but back to the original apostolic faith. And when the Lord comes among us, what does it do? It's a lifting up of his presence. When he manifests himself and heals among us and ministers to us, oh my, and ministers our needs and knows exactly all we have need of. What is it? We say, oh, wasn't the word wonderful today? Didn't the Lord speak to our hearts? What is it? It's a fresh lifting up of me? No, I'm not your standard. I'm not your, I'm not your ensign. It's him. Amen. But I'm here to tell you today, he is your resurrection. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is your conqueror. He is your help. He is your mighty God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, so what do we do when the flood waters come? Oh, it's hard to walk in waters. Oh, now wouldn't it be much easier if we could all be elevated and walk on top of them? Wow. It wouldn't have been a difference how deep it was, how wide it was. Wow, wouldn't we just get right up on top of it, John, and we just walk around off the waters? But let's face facts. Most of us have never been water walkers. We're water strugglers. So we slosh and we slosh. You know how it is if you've ever been in a creek or a lake or whatever, when you get your clothes wet and the wetter they get, the heavier you become. Oh my. And we got this big old wedding dress on. We've got this big old long veil. I mean, it's the most beautiful wedding dress that anybody's ever wore. Hallelujah. And here we are marching right through the floods of hell and the floods of COVID and the floods of depression and the floods of sadness and sorrow and sickness. And our wedding dress seems like it's getting heavier and heavier all along. And some people are saying, I don't want to wear this dress no more. Well, I do. I do. It may get heavy. It may get difficult, but I want to wear it till I'm changed. Let's stand, I ain't gonna get done. (sighs) Praise God. Let's go over a few pages there to the junction of time, 1956. Now notice again that not only that, when all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. So maybe all hell has turned loose against you and your home, your life, your church for visiting today, your house. But with eyes of expectation under the standard of your commander in chief, keep your eyes peeled because heaven's turning loose too. Heaven's turning loose too. Sometimes it comes in the form of angels. Sometimes it comes in the form of emotion. Sometimes it comes in the form of the anointed word that just lifts your courage to such a place you can say, I can do this. I can do this by the grace of God. When all hell turns loose, all heaven turns loose also. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God raised up a standard against it. These two forces has always showed at the junction. Listen again to this infallibility of God's spoken word. I'll show you signs in the heaven above, flying saucers and everything, all kinds of mystic signs 
in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, sea roaring, tidal waves breaking along Chicago, down along the places, great sea roaring, men's heart failing, perplexed, the time distressed between the nations. And in that day, the great anointed church will rise. And what you notice, he says, in that day, in that day, in that day. Look, friend, Iran, they say, is just a few weeks away from having enough enriched uranium to make one bomb. They have now shut down totally the IEA, which for those of you that don't know what that is, that's the international global people who watch other nations and their dealings with atomic warfare. They refuse to let them come back. They refuse, they cut off all cameras where they will not let them watch what's, do, what's happening. Scary time if you're just looking at that. But Israel has already said, if we have to, we'll move by ourselves. We will not allow Iran to make the first bomb, much less another one. I kind of like that myself. Because I think as individuals, that's the way we got to be. We just look the devil square in the face and say, the IEA, the EEA, the WLOA, it don't make no difference who it is. Whether or not they observe you, you ain't taking my ground. I got this from my father, from his father, from on back, on back. This is my territory. You may try to bring the floodwaters in and rob me of my health, but I will stand right there under the banner of my Lord Jesus that by his stripes I am already healed. Symptoms leave my body in the name of Jesus. Oh, floodwaters get out of my mind. Floodwaters leave my spirit. Floodwaters leave me from depressing me. Hallelujah. I ain't under the banner of Happy Valley. I ain't under the banner of Donnie Reagan. Don't you think I'm some great general? I'm some great somebody. I ain't nothing no more than you are. But we are gathered under the banner of Jesus Christ. Oh, I know I'm called to be one of his officers, I know. You think I stand there as a mighty general, never flinch? You don't know me. How many times have I reached down to get my sword and pull it out and tremble and shake? Thank God, help me. Help me, God. Brother Donnie, have you ever felt like running? More times than you can count on your fingers and toes. But when I get scared, I look at my standard. And I look up on this side what I was, and I look on this side of what I am, and I think I can do it. Hallelujah. I look at that tomb holding his body, and I look three days later, and I see the stone roll back, and I think I'm more than a conqueror. What about it, saints? Catholicism had swept the world and the flood had flooded the minds, the humanity, the spiritual perception of all the entire human race. And God raised up a standard. And he caused a little man to go down and knock his 93 theses on the door of the church. What did God do? Lifted up a standard. And he said, the 
This is not the literal body of Jesus. This is not the literal blood of Jesus. But the just shall live by faith. Luther was not lifting a banner with himself on it, but the gospel of Jesus. Wesley lifted another. Pentecost lifted another with tongues and prophecy. But God said, I've saved my best for last. Glory be to God. So he lifted the banner. Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10. Hallelujah. What about it, Happy Valley? Are we going to run and hide? Or are we going to stand with our banner, the Lord Jesus, and say, come hell or high water. Come floods. Come deluge or daily moderate stuff. I'm more than a conqueror. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. And that day, the great anointed church was to rise in her power. Jesus Christ was to come in. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. And today when science is doing all their different things, God's sending down supernatural signs to show his church. Take your mind off the things of the world and look up. My dear friend, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises the standard against it. You read in these magazines and things how Satan is on the rampage. Yes, sir, but God is raising a standard. Don't worry. He's always on the right side. He's always above the enemy all the time. Praise be to God. Oh, let me read one more, can I? My, I love it when the Lord gives me sermons like this. He started even with yesterday morning whenever I got up and started putting this together in a matter of hours. I'll tell you what, I was about to explode. I felt like an atomic bomb sent down there in my basement. This didn't take hours and hours and days and days to put together. But when the Spirit of God drops it there, I'll say, yeah, I'm under the anointing of the standard. That's what it is. I'm under the anointing. Oh, God don't just want preachers to be under that. He wants you to live your life every day under this standard. Look, husbands, husbands. Keep this standard in your home. Mamas, keep this standard before you kid. Oh, honey, we're fighting battles. We're going through this, but our eyes are on the standard. God said when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against it. God will do it. And when all the gates of torment is pressing against that little church, yet it will never prevail. She will go right on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Brother Donnie, I've done got flood water. I've got sticks, debris. My beautiful walk with God has turned into an indifferent, complacent place. Well, he's got a lot of heavy equipment. And uh, just so happens... I'm a good stick picker-upper. And I'm a good mud man. I know how to pick up mud out of people's lives and stick. And you know how it is on creeks and things when you see it. It's just debris and pop bottles and plastic. 
Remember Brother Ben standing on the Great Lakes that time and he said he looked at it. Boy, that water was coming out. Oh, it was bison. He said, what's going on? He said, the lake is having a revival. And he said, what was that revival? Washing all the trash up out of the lake up on the bank. Some of y'all think a revival is adding a whole lot of people to our church and everybody running and jumping and shouting. Revival is actually you getting the trash washed out of your life. Then we got something to jump about. So what do you say if you feel flooded today and all muddled? You got mud everywhere. Your prayer life ain't right. Your family ain't right. This ain't right. But I've got so many sticks. What could I ever do? Well, sort of like the guy, I guess, walking down the beach that day. And there was thousands of starfish that had been washed up with the tide. So he was going through and throwing them back, throwing them back, throwing them back. Somebody come through and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm throwing these back. He said, there's too many of them to make a difference. So he reached down and picked up and said, it will for this one. So will this sermon be for this one? Or that one? Or that one? Or that one? Or you go to taking the clutter and the mess. You know what a flood does. Just throwing the sticks and the debris. It'll take time. It'll take time. But are you willing to reclaim your land, your peace, your beautiful patch that God gave you? Restore the peace of your home. Some of you, they hear my voice, maybe you're under a doctor's doom of a report and they don't give you much hope. And you find this report is working on you mentally. It's really affecting your joy, your peace, your fear. You're in trauma every day that your life may end. You need to take them sticks, brother, and burn them. Pile them in a pile and burn them and reclaim your patch. This is my family. This is my ground. God's going to take me, so be it. But he'll take me, not the devil. What about it, children? I'm going to need some sticks cleaned out and some mud and some brush and some tin cans and just all kinds of trash the devil's flooded our lives with. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know they have confidence in me, Lord, as their pastor. Lord, and I know greater than they do today that you're the one who gave me this message. I believe there's a time and a season for the word. And today was our time to hear this. You know, I've never even preached on this to the best of my knowledge. I've beginning to even think about it back in Pentecost. I don't remember ever preaching along these lines before. But Lord, it was needful for us. Oh, Jesus. Some with just the busyness of life. The sticks, the mud, the debris, the tin cans, the wrappers, the papers, this, that, the other. And they find they're losing more and more of their little beautiful little walk with God. Lord, it's not been maybe a deluge, but one little moderate rain shower after another. And they find themselves coming to church and just struggling to stay awake are struggling to even get in. Used to, it was the very flame of their heart. Help us today, Lord Jesus. Help us today. Oh, Lord God, 
we know how you are. You're willing to take the mess that we make of our lives. You're willing to walk right through the gum and all the stuff that we've done to help us reclaim our patch. Would you come down today, Jesus, and strengthen those who find a brush pile here and a brush pile there and mud and debris. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, those who've lost the praise, those who've lost their joy, whatever they've lost, Father God. Praise God. We're not worshiping today under the standard of a man. We're not gathered under the standard of a preacher. But our standard is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 8. Father, would you move today, I pray. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. Come and just worship Him now while we're in His presence. He our peace who has broken down
song this morning. If anybody asks you where I'm going, Brother Joel's got laryngitis this morning, so we'll spare him. But let's just sing just a little bit of that before we go. Did you enjoy church today? Amen. Did that message fit your need today? I saw a little saying, and I thought it was so appropriate. You didn't come this far just to come this far. You're, you're going on to a better, bigger place. There's a higher calling. You believe that with all your heart. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise if you love Him this morning. If anybody asks you,